Just a couple things to make you aware of. Uh, September 30th is Orange Shirt Day, which is recognizing uh, First Nations people, indigenous people in our country. And we have a few orange shirts that are left. I don't know if there are any left now, but if you are a size medium and you'd like an orange shirt today, we did a series a number of years ago called Love Mercy, and we just thought we'd make those available for free. So it'd be great to go out and see them all gone. And also, uh, as the children are going out, one of the things that we're dealing with in the pandemic is just simply this. We have no idea who's coming on a Sunday. Uh, unless you pre-register, which is really, really helpful. We're about a one-third pre-registering um, to the rest who just show up in person. And we love you. Um, pre-register. Uh, if you could, if you could remember, it helps us um, just plan, particularly for our children's ministry. And that also brings me to this idea of reforming everything. So we are so glad that you are here in person, and I don't mind actually saying, I'm glad you're here in person, and in a family, good families function well when everybody plays their part and does their thing. So we want to invite you to consider doing your thing, and we are rebuilding all of our teams, and we think that you would be a great uh, asset to one of our teams. And so when you get the weekend email and there's something out there like, are you techie? Which means, can you turn on a computer and not be terrified? We can train you. And, and all the stuff that's happening, including for you and our online audience, uh, that are re, we're still um, tracking with you, uh, we want to invite you to consider, you know, if you're participating virtually, to serve virtually in that tech background. And so if you are comfortable um, with technology to some degree and you've got a little bit of um, flair, we can work with that. And I want to ask you to be involved with our children and youth ministry. All of that is being reformed. We haven't met for 18 months. And so we're rebuilding those teams and it's, it's set up in a way that it can scale as people continue to come back. And you'll notice from week to week, more and more people are coming back, and we've been adding chairs. And so that also is just a reminder for the pre-registering. So I think that's all that I wanted to cover for that right now. And um, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about meeting face-to-face. -face. Last Sunday, we had something really cool happen for us as a family, and it's called a family reunion. And uh, just on the sixth line, uh, we got together with Claire's uh, family, her sisters and their kids and their little kids. And I don't know that this is all of them, but um, her mom and dad celebrated their 60th anniversary this year. And we got together for a family reunion. And it felt so good to see people, some of these people we haven't seen in two years. Um, well, maybe not quite two years. But it's been so long since we've seen them, and it felt amazing. Earlier this summer, we went down to Niagara, where I grew up, and we had a family reunion for my family. And in my family, when you just include the immediate family, there's now about 75 to 80 of us. And it was so amazing to be together and to see them. And it was crazy, and it was all outside. It was safe, and it was wonderful. And I wonder how many of you have been able to have some type of reunion this summer, a family reunion or a reunion with friends, or I even know about some school reunions that took place uh, in Penetang. People were getting together to see the old high school that's going to get torn down. There are a lot of reunions happening all over the place as things have reopened. And I suspect if you've participated in that, it's felt pretty good, hasn't it? Yeah, just to see people face 
to face. And what didn't happen over the last 18 months or so, to to a large degree, there are exceptions, but we didn't have reunions online virtually. Some families did or some friend groups did, but that idea of getting together all virtually online, there's just something about it that's lacking. And so for most people, the option was, we'll just wait. We'll just wait till we can do it in person. And that's what happened for us last week. And that was so much fun. But this idea of face-to-face relationship, another way of talking about that is unmediated relationship. And that we tend to do best in an unmediated relationship compared to a mediated relationship. And all that simply means is anything that you add one step beyond meeting face-to-face is mediated. So when we were gathered online every week and, and you were watching the YouTube videos or we did some Zoom meetings, that's a mediated kind of relationship. Between us, there's the video technology. And while mediated relationships can be effective, we know that an unmediated face-to-face presence seems to be what we resonate with most and with best. And while we might have thought that uh, this is kind of a new thing as we've gone into the pandemic and, and we've experienced the Zoom fatigue and all the other excuses we wanted to come up with for not going to work that day or anything like that, mediated and unmediated relationship isn't a new concept. And I want to read for you part of a letter from John the Elder, who wrote three letters that we have in our New Testament. They're at the end of the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And 2nd John is just 13 verses. It's It's almost like a paragraph of a letter that we have. And he's writing to the Christians that he's addressing about being people of of truth, but in the in the context of the love of Christ. And at the end of that letter in verse 12, he writes this, I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink. That's mediated relationship. A letter is a mediated relationship. But he says, I hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. See, John knew something that maybe we're just, we've relearned through the pandemic, and that is the value of unmediated relationship. And yet 2,000 years ago, he was writing about this. This is not new to humanity. And there's a kind of joy that comes by being able to be with people in person and being face to face. And so there are a number of times in scriptures where you'll read like the Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church and saying like, I'm going to visit you in person so that we can mutually encourage each other. There's something that's wonderful that comes with that. This summer, uh, we had campfires out here on on the lawn. And every Thursday night, uh, we just said, hey, campfire, if you're around and you want to come and and do whatever, hang out. Um, So we would just run them. And it was, you know, the hit and miss with summer. I think the first four to five Thursdays, it was raining. uh, And then we just kept running it. And one one of the Thursdays, we we said, rain or shine, we're going to actually meet inside. We're going to have a prayer time together. And... And a bunch of us gathered in the lobby here in a big circle, all spread out. And during part of that prayer time, uh, Steve brought his guitar and he just sang a song. And I remember 
the joy that came from sitting there with other people that I haven't been able to gather with for a long time and just hearing somebody sing. And it was amazing. Back in July, we, we were not planning on opening up in-person services probably until September. But then the government kind of threw the doors wide open and we went, well, why don't we at least start meeting and figure out how to do all this stuff again? So July 18th, my first Sunday of vacation, it was perfect timing. Uh, we gathered in person and, uh, <clears throat> and again, Steve and Chris and Christopher, we've got this great staff team and Ina, um, they just ran with things. But, but I remember coming back and hearing about how many of you just experienced that, um, you know, the French expression, je ne, je ne sais quoi, about being together. I, I can't put my finger on it. And I think what it is, it's the joy of an unmediated relationship, of being together face to face. And there is a real joy with that. There's a strength that comes from that. The writer to the Hebrews, um, he was writing to some, some people to encourage them. And he actually said, you know, let's hold on to the hope that we have without wavering. And then let's encourage each other as we meet. Let's not stop meeting, as some people do, but let's encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the day of Christ's return. And that's in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. And there's an, there's an encouragement from being together that we can do in person in ways that we can't do uh, in a mediated kind of way. Now, that is not to say that it cannot happen because over the last 18 months, we have learned how to encourage each other in a mediated relationship over the video, through email, through Zoom, through texting, it's not maybe ideal, but it is possible. And really the emphasis is on this idea about being together and experiencing the joy of that, the encouragement from, comes with that, the, the way it strengthens our, our hope and our faith when we're together. If you just stop and, and look around the room here, there are all kinds of people from a variety of ages that are going through life just like you and dealing with the stuff that comes at us every single day and yet we choose to be together and to recognize Jesus Christ or at least to be here and to say I'm, I'm investigating who this Jesus is and there's something encouraging about that with all the junk that you face day in and day out every single week I want you to understand something. Everybody else in this room has a bit of an idea what it's like. Not exactly what you're going through, but they get it. And part of being together is to experience that joy and the encouragement in our hope and our faith from being together. There is an old proverb, and I don't know, I've read that it comes from Africa, I've read that it comes from other places, and, and I'm not really fussed about it, but I love the, the proverb, and it says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And as a congregation, that uh, with all the other congregations and charities and businesses and people in the pandemic, we have a, a conviction that we want to go far. And we're not going to do that alone. 
there is an encouragement that comes from being face-to-face. And, and now let's also be honest. When we talk about being face-to-face, not only is there a joy and an encouragement from it, but there are challenges to it. Don't you agree? You know, are there challenges to community, uh, family reunions? Have you ever been to a family reunion without a challenge? There's always that one aunt or uncle, you know, the crazy uncle. Yeah, community, particularly when it is unmediated in a face-to-face context, comes with its challenges. I'll give you an example. The Apostle Peter writing to, uh, to some Christians, uh, one of the first letters he wrote, which is coincidentally called First Peter, uh, he's writing to them and talking about what it means to live as Christians. Uh, you know, how do we follow Jesus? What does that look like? And then in chapter 2, the very first verse, he says... And because of everything I've just said to you, you now need to live lives that are free from deceit and free from hypocrisy. And I love that he put that in there. Because one of the biggest complaints that my secular friends have about the church is the hypocrisy. I used to think people expected us to be perfect, and I realized I don't think they do. They just expect us to stop pretending that we are. And, and the word hypocrisy literally means like to be under a mask. It's a theatrical term to hide behind a mask or to be under a mask. And so when you are here and you're wearing the mask and you don't like it, I, I want to point something out. Long before the pandemic, you were wearing a mask when you came here to New Life. And I do too. And it's the mask that we put up that we want people to see, that we want people to to see who we want to be. Because in each person, there is either a huge or a small fear that if people actually knew who you truly were inside, they might not love you. And so when we get into groups, uh, we put on our mask and, and... and you know the joke about, um, uh, about screaming at your kids in the car. And then when you drive through that driveway, this miracle happens. And you get out of the car and you're all smiley and happy. And people are asking you how you're doing. And you're, I'm fine. And everything's wonderful. And, and I wonder how much more beautiful we would be if we continue to grow in safety so that people can be who they are, who they really are, with all of their warts and all of their um, idiosyncrasies. Peter says, get rid of the hypocrisy. And and I don't think that's meant to, um, to make you feel bad or anything. It's just recognizing that we, we kind of all have a tendency of doing that. And as we get to know people more, which so when you're in home church or you're with a group of two or three people and you can really be who you are, you, you know some of the safety of that. And so I don't think we're suggesting that we, we have to try to, to, you know, lay out all of our laundry in a large group like this. But there's something beautiful about unmediated relationship where there is no hypocrisy. And another challenge is that you learn to bear with each other. 
You know, in Colossians chapter 3, those of you that have taken our interpersonal skills course, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, faithfulness, all that stuff. And then he says, bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, there's something about being together that requires us to bear with each other. And in our staff setting, we do have a fantastic staff team. And part of it is because sometimes we just bear with each other. And we put up with each other's junk. And we don't make a big deal of it. But we address things when they need to be addressed. And we do it in a loving way and in a healthy way. Most of the time. The other challenge of being face-to-face is that we have to be willing to accept people that are other to us. Like we all bring a mask, not a literal mask, I mean you do right now, but we all have that mask that we put up to try to present a self, a false self. We also have people that are other to us, and one of the beauties of of I think the church is that Jesus takes people who are other to one another and he brings them together under himself. And what that requires is that we're going to be with people that we don't particularly like. Or we wonder what they're on about. Or we've never taken the time to step out of our safety and enter into the world of that kind of person. Anytime you talk about them or they with a group of people, that tends to be othering people. You're treating them as if there's something not attractive and you'd like to keep your distance. And one of the challenges that Jesus says is he tends to bring people together like that. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, one of the, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, one of the things Jesus did is that he brought... Jews and Gentiles together and broke down the hostility between them. And that is what Jesus does. He reconciles us to God, but also to each other. And there's something beautiful about that, but we also have to recognize there's a challenge in that. And our willingness to be open to being with people together like that can be a challenge. And while there might be a bunch of other challenges... Uh, I think the benefits far outweigh the challenges in unmediated relationship when we gather together in a room like this or when we gather together in a home with six or eight or 10 or 12 or however many you're comfortable having in your home right now. Not just to be together, but to be together in Christ. There is something beautiful about that. There are challenges to that, but the benefits far outweigh the challenges, or at least I think they do. So, for example, in a context speaking about conflict, Matthew, in his kind of historical account of the life of Jesus in chapter 18, says that when two or three people gather together, Christ is there with them. When, When people who follow Jesus get together, Christ is there among them. God is present. And so however you feel about the music or however you feel about the preaching or however you feel about whoever is in the room, when we're in settings like this, one thing that I know for sure is that God is present through the Spirit of Christ. Whether you feel it or you don't feel it, I know that He is present. And I take comfort in that. 
The Apostle Paul, writing to another group of Christians, wrote this, and I'm actually going to invite you to read this together with me so that we can hear the words from others and from our own mouths as we read about what Paul says about the benefits of being together. So let's read this together. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. I love this picture that Paul is painting of each of us like a stone in a house and God's putting them together and Christ is the cornerstone. It is all hinged on him. It is all centered on Jesus. And when he's talking about you Gentiles, um, again, here's some cultural things that we have to understand. It is simply um, anyone who's a non-Jew is a Gentile. And so in today's vernacular, we might just say people who are different from us. Culturally, ethnically, uh, linguistically, uh, in their sexual orientation. And he's bringing us all together. And when we are all together, we are made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And that is a benefit to being together face to face or in an online context. But I think face-to-face -face is best. Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories about people celebrating together when things that are lost are found. And it's a story about people that are, that are lost and found and we celebrate together. In Acts chapter 2, we share our resources together. We encourage each other. There's unity together. In Acts chapter 4, um, one of the things that uh, unmediated relationship does is I think, I think it's easier to pray when we're together. And so when the Christians in Acts 4 are being persecuted and chased around and beaten up, it says that they got together and they prayed. And you'll see this again and again. There's something about being able to pray when you're with other people. Now, some of you are terrified to pray in a, in a crowd, but when somebody else is praying and you're agreeing with what they're saying or they're praying in a way and you're like, yeah, 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 you find yourself doing that. And if you're really religious and have grown up in church, then you say amen a lot. Amen. Amen. You know, that's just a way of saying, yeah, I agree. Right on. Say it again. It's a benefit of praying together. And just in Ephesians 4, you know, we're stronger when we're together. Here's the thing. We're meeting face to face. And I know it's not, it's not exactly the way you would want. I mean, just look at the room. We are half the size that we used to be. And we have to be apart. And by now, you're sick of wearing your mask. I get it. I'm wrapping up. And we don't have coffee. And there's all kinds of things about it. But there's so many benefits to being together. And there's so many benefits to being together, even if you're in, uh, joining us virtually. We're glad that you're with us. And we're journeying forward. But there's some questions we have to ask ourselves. And I think they're valuable questions. And I know that you'll have other questions. But for example, what does it mean to be the church today? 
Because one of the things I think the pandemic has allowed us to do is to realize that one of the things we do well is we, we gather. We get together. And then that's taken away from us. And then we're kind of left going like, so what does it mean to be the church if we can't be together? And I think we're learning to re-answer that. What is it that we offer that you're not going to get anywhere else? How do people experience God in community if we can't gather what does it mean to be committed to community? Because we might say, well, those of you who are here in person, you are more committed than those of you who are watching online. That may or may not be true. And so we have to wrestle with these questions. What does commitment to community look like? When you feel like it, when you're enjoying it, or when you have the challenges of it and your willingness to carry on. These are questions, I think, that are worth asking. What about those who are not comfortable meeting in person? How do we do community together? And there could be a bunch of different responses to that. Is it possible to be the church if we can't meet together? What if we go into another lockdown? I suspect even you high introverts are not looking forward to another lockdown, or at least the idea of another lockdown. I mean, I, I was dying through the last one, and I'm coming back to life slowly but surely because I'm draining the energy from all of you in the room because I'm an extrovert, and I'm just socking that energy away from you, unsuspectingly, you don't even know it, but I'm just getting stronger. But what do we do if we can't meet again? And again, that's back to that first question, what does it mean to be the church? And we've been doing some really cool things. You know, even just recently, all of you who have participated in the gift bags for the nursing staff at the hospital. Um, you know, we're getting some emails coming in now of people saying, thank you so much. We gave them a granola bar, a bit of gum, and a $5 coffee card. So we fed an addiction and gave them a bunch of sugar. And, and their response is like, thank you. And so thank you, on behalf of them, thank you for participating in that. What does it mean to love each other in times like this? And then you're like, even if we don't agree about vaccines? Because you know we got to talk about that. Even if we don't agree about protocols? Even if we don't agree about who's supposed to run the country tomorrow? What does it mean to love each other? And I'm going to put out this word kind of as, as a pastor. Um, for the most part, lots of people are pro-vaccine. And, and I want to encourage us to be careful about the language we use towards those people who are choosing not to be vaccinated. You see what just happened there? We othered them. We refer to them as them, those people. And when we start doing that, when I do that, I, I think the Spirit says, hang on a minute, Paul. Let's not be that way. They don't agree with you. You don't agree with them. It may not be helpful to argue about that. Maybe it would. But what does it mean to be loving towards somebody who does not agree with you on something that you feel so fundamentally about. You may not agree with them, and that's okay. But what does it mean to love them?
political colors. That would be a fun Sunday. Hold up your color for which party you, you prefer. You know, and we'll have we'll have different services for the conservatives and for the NDPs, and you know, instead of demographically, we'll go psychographically. But just some questions, and I, I want to finish up with this. Um, I suspect you have questions that you would love to ask us, and so I'm going to put this up here. This is my cell phone number. Many of you have it, not all of you do, and um, and I want to know what your questions are. And so I'm going to invite you to text me or to email me. I didn't put up my, my email, but if you go to the New Life website, newlifecollingwood.com, go to the staff or whatever button that is, you can find my email. But this is going to stay up, so you can type that in. Um, text me your questions. And I will do my best to answer them. And if I don't know the answer, I will get somebody who can help us answer that. And we want to create um, just an, an opportunity for you to, to ask your questions freely and uh, where we try to respond and um, we'll keep trying to do as well as we can in communicating things that you need to know and sometimes you might ask a question and I got to tell you the answer is going to be have you read your weekend email and because likely the answer will be in there and if you're not on email um, you don't get that kind of stuff um, please remind us sometimes we forget not everybody's on the internet and uh, so please remind us, and we'll do better trying to communicate with you. But if you do have questions, uh, I would love to hear them, and we'll do my best to respond to them. So face-to-face, I think it's always beneficial when we can meet face-to-face, so let's do that as often as we can. And when we can't, that doesn't mean we still can't do community. But we are going to pursue this moving forward and figure out in a new era how to be the new people that God is calling us to be. Let's pray. I can't help but to think that the most appropriate thing in in moments like this is to simply say, thank you, Father. We love you, and we want to give ourselves to you, and we want to ask you to make yourself real to us, and pray that you would allow us the the joy and the benefit of experiencing unmediated relationship with each other, and as we talk about next week, with you. Amen. I know there's one little person who's not that thankful today, but um, I I did want to say this is all part of the stuff too, like parents and kids, it's all weird and stuff. So, you know, as that's going on, uh, we don't have an issue with that. So if you're feeling like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. So thank you for being here today. And um, do, do visit. Be outside, be mindful of the distancing, be outside, be inside. There's no having to rush away, and uh, we're so grateful that you're here. Please take the opportunity to just visit with Chris and to say thank you if you didn't get a chance to yet. So, Chris, you can't go rushing out the door. And, um, yes, we will see you next week. We're going to be talking about what it means to be face-to-face with God. So, we'll see you next week. Bye for now.